There's a good chance that you listening to this podcast right now found this podcast through social media. I've been posting about Palestine and Gaza and Congo, Sudan, occupation, genocide, politics, war, dead babies on behalf of oppressed people all over the world. Not my typical stuff. It's sad. It's traumatic. It's horrible. But it's important. If you've been following me for long enough, you'll know that in the past I've stood up for women's rights, abortion rights, and spoken out for the BLM movement. You've seen me get angry about gay rights and trans rights. So are you really surprised that I can't just stick to insurance? I firmly believe that what's happening in the world around us matters when it comes to the choices that we should be making with our money. Hell, we talk about taxes on this podcast all the time. Taxes that go to the government that is responsible for funding genocide. How could we not talk about the two together or think that they have no relation whatsoever? Being in the world of insurance has opened my eyes to not only the world of money, but the world of politics, the world of war, colonialism, nationalism, religion, and so much more that goes on within our society. When you first found the podcast or when you first found me on social media, you thought I was kind. You thought I was trustworthy. You thought I was genuine. And I know that because you've told me. Why would any of those things change now when I'm using my voice and my platform to speak up for humanity, for innocent lives, for the liberation of oppressed peoples? Isn't that what a kind, genuine, trustworthy person would do? I digress. It is. The BMIs are stupid. Hello and welcome to the You're an Asset podcast. I'm your host, Casey the Dollar. And on this podcast, we find out who is an asset in the financial industry and who is just an ass. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than our usually scheduled program because based on the conversations I've had with this person and what they're doing for their community, spoiler alert, I already know that they're an asset. As you know, on this show, we educate and spread awareness about cash value life insurance because it is a way to maintain and grow your wealth. Now, as it turns out, this information is seriously lacking in the BIPOC community. And if you're not familiar with the term BIPOC, it stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. So one of the things we're going to discuss is why financial education is lacking in BIPOC communities and what you and I could do about it. I'd like to introduce all of you to Justice. Hey, Justice. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Thank you for no having me. I'll steal your thunder a little bit and say that Justice is the owner founder of OCJ Initiative, which is a nonprofit um, that I cannot wait to hear all about. Um, I mentioned earlier 
in the intro of this um, episode that unfortunately in our society, the BIPOC community does not get the same financial education that the white community does. And this is something we know. This is something that I've talked about before. But I think that with everything going on in the world right now, this is a perfect time to go farther into why that is, what we can do about it as a financial agency, what we can do on the individual level, um, and then also bring awareness to other world events that are going on. Because um, if you don't think that world events are related to your money, you're confused. (laughs) Would you agree with that, Justice? Definitely. I think world events are related to so much, um, whether they be financially, whether they be uh, socially, I think world events could affect all of us um, in different ways, um, especially when it comes to where we're putting our tax dollars into. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. So if you don't mind, I would love to just hear what is OCJ initiative? What is the main purpose? When did you start it? And we'll we'll go on from there. I know this may be a different topic, but I'm I'm super excited to educate them on um, why this is needed and why um, awareness around these issues are interconnected with the financial sector. First, you know, I'm not from California, right? I'm from New York. So there was not a lot of opportunities for BIPOC folk in Orange County due to the history of segregation or the history of redlining or the history of white supremacist groups being, you know, formed in Orange County. So Mm -hmm. Um, I moved to Orange County with that in mind, with an end game in mind, not that I only wanted to get my degree and my master's, which I did that at a private university at Chapman. But I also wanted to see where I can make a conduit toward change for BIPOC youth in Orange County. And that's what led me to creating the OC Justice Initiative, which stands for the Orange County Justice Initiative. And we started that organization and toward the end of 2019, because what we found was that there were so many youth who were ready to get activated, but they didn't know their rights. Um, They didn't know their constitutional rights. They didn't know what they can say and what could be considered as a hate crime if they said some other thing or a hate incident, right? Yeah. And what we also found was that there was a lot of youth who wanted to demonstrate whether it be, you know, high school students or whether it be college students, which is most of our demographics that we work with, they didn't really know how to um, properly uh, align themselves with such a big task um, within Orange County, right? I just want to brief that. And then also legislation. They didn't, what we found that in 2020 with the rise of so many youth being um, passionate about the murder of George Floyd, mm-hmm. we found that so many individuals who were just starting to understand the plight of Black America were either not educated about the the past history on civil rights movements, or they were educated, but they put a lot of ego into it. What we found was that in order to see everlasting progress, you need to have education, you need to have demonstration, and you need to have legislation. You need to have all three pillars in order to really fulfill those actually make change yes Yes. exactly whether it be working with the aclu whether it be working with an naacp or whether it be working with a national organization such as black lives matter we give youth these tools to really educate themselves on the steps they need to take in order to see the change in their community 
And then we give them tools to demonstrate, whether it be providing megaphones, um, security, marshals for their actual demonstration, logistics, reconnaissance. The, all these things go into seeing a successful protest that we see on the news. A lot of people yeah. don't know the back end work that goes into that jail support, yeah. um, working with the police, not working with the police, because we don't work with police. <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, these are things that you have to weigh if you want to yeah. have a successful protest. Change is possible. Yeah. But it's going to take education, demonstration and legislation to really make gaps. How did you get to this point? Because, you know, I mean, I found you because you are the head of the nonprofit and putting on protests and demonstrations. Yeah. Right. But six years ago was is it just you? Do you have a team of people like how do you right. then find youth and other people who want to be a part of activism and want to be a part of change? So. Right now, it's me and about six other individuals, right? Mm -hmm. Most of these individuals are just volunteers. Um, but overall, we're small but mighty. Yeah. Uh, but six, six years ago, when I first started, uh, it was only me, you know, going to city council meetings and making sure that the city council members knew who I was and, and, and the change that was bound to happen yeah. if they didn't listen to me. Yeah. Um, and it was only me actually telling the administration at my college, we need this. And if it doesn't happen, this is, or these other steps that are going to um, happen thereafter, if you yeah. don't listen to me. But I think with the confidence mm -hmm. and the end game in mind is yeah. what led me to continue this. Because with so many I've seen, what happens is when they don't see the end game in mind, they get kind of discouraged. But yeah. for me, I know that there's an end game in mind. So I would never get discouraged by little things that happen if I don't have people in my organization, if people leave, it's okay. Because at the end of the day, it's it's bigger than OC justice, right? Yeah. It's, it's a whole movement that we want to instill. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you mentioned George Floyd, and I was going to ask you about this too, because yeah. as a California girl, right? <laughs> When when everything did happen with George Floyd, that was the first time that you saw people um, from my perspective in, in my life standing up for Black Lives Matter and speaking out for the BLM movement. Definitely. People who have never done so before. So it feels like, you know, there are certain events in history that it brings all these this awareness. And then all of a sudden, you know, it escalates into more and more people wanting to join the movement and make change. So after George Floyd, did you see a lot more movement going on in, in the city, in Orange County in general, and more people coming towards you? What was it like? It was more so I had a lot of uh, youth who were white you know, yeah, really, really come towards the movement in levels that I've never seen before. And because, you know, I was organizing when Tamir Rice got killed and it was more so I seen a lot of black and brown folks organizing around that. I remember when um, Trayvon Martin got killed. There was always a, a resemblance of black and brown communities coming out. Mm -hmm. But the difference I seen with George Floyd was that I seen more white individuals come out and say, "Okay, I need to I need to do something different." But what I seen that was troubling was that the white individuals who were trying to take the charge weren't educated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were leading people. <laughs> they were, you know, leading people into like police kettles. And like I was just like, "What is like?" So that's why it was so 
it was so immediate that OC Justice Initiative had to really take the reins in Orange County because, you know, of course, I commend those white folks who wanted to do that. But at the same time, it was put in people like myself and other communities in danger yeah. if they didn't know the history, if they don't know how to organize, if they don't know not to tell the police anything, if they don't know these things, then it's actually putting us more in danger than yeah. you're actually helping us. Because I think a lot of the white folks, they wanted to help. They wanted to help. But if they don't... It, but if they don't know their history, mm-hmm. if they don't know, if they don't know the the system of nonviolence, if they don't know SNCC, if they don't know all these other past revolutionaries, Stokely Carmichael, mm-hmm. um, Malcolm X, MLK, way more other individuals within yeah. this um, liberation movement, who we can learn from. Yeah, and I and I think what um, happened in 2020 was that there was a lot of non-BIPOC folk who uh, did more harm than good. Um, for the movement, unfortunately, which is really unfortunate, yeah. um, you know, and I- I'll be honest, uh, like I-, I wasn't giving much thought to the BLM movement or to the lives of black people before George Floyd. Um, but to think that other white people would go and want the credit, take charge of something that is not theirs. Right. It is so frustrating as a white person too, to see this because this is not my place to shine, which is I, I hope to do the opposite. Right. And I hope to be a person that amplifies voices and does not try to take away because I don't know. And I will fully admit that I don't know. Um, I've lived a very privileged white life here in California. And, you know, over the years, I've actually tried to tell my white friends how many white supremacists are in Orange County. Yeah. in Southern California, and they don't believe me. <laughs> like, you guys. Um, <laughs> because it's insane. And the people here don't even realize it. And they'll fight you like, no, there's nobody is yeah. like that here. This is California. This is a liberal place. Every, no, it's not. Right. California, by the way, it's the only state, not the only state, but one of few only states in the nation that has not officially abolished slavery. Um, if what? You look at the, yeah. If you look at the yeah, if you look at the California Constitution, you will see that if you committed a crime, you are scheduled to be in involuntary servitude to the state of California forever. That's modern day slavery. Yeah. And there are a few states within this nation um, that has fully abolished slavery within their constitutions. Um, I think one of them uh, and people, please correct me. I think one of them is um, I think the state of Maine be surprising okay. not right surprising because there's a huge white population in maine right but they have abolished slavery within their constitution but california hasn't you know i was absolutely aware that the prison system is today's new age slavery 100 percent. even though we live in such a quote-unquote liberal state right yeah there's so many things that we don't know and our organization is equipped to give those tools yeah. to BIPOC youth yes. and to non-BIPOC youth, right? Yeah. Whoever want to volunteer and, and yeah. become a part of our organization so they can educate themselves on the system of colonialism, of white supremacy, of imperialism, and how it's a system yeah. it's embedded. It's yeah. not just some state or some person. It's actually a system yeah. that's oh, interwoven yeah. within the fabric. Unfortunately, that there are people that do know and are still sitting here like, well, 
Right. It's insane. As far as, okay, so if we both understand that there's a system here and we're stuck in this system, we need to get new people into office. We need better representatives who speak for the people. We need equality when it comes to our legislation. But how can we get the information out there in an understandable way to anybody who wants to to make change or really understand what's going on? How can we get the masses to understand, right? Because that's, I feel like the hardest part is trying to get someone to feel comfortable with you and the information as well. What we do at OC Justice is we try to meet youth where they're at, right? For example, um, I don't know about you, but when I was 14, 15, 16, I love going skating. I love skating. For the past two years, um, we have successfully created a demonstration called skate against hate right so and it and it's right yeah right and if it's at a skate park we go to that skate park and we host the whole day of 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 festivities we even had bands this past year sponsor it and bands came out and they gave out merch yeah they gave out hats and we actually also highlighted um an individual who was killed in 2021 his name was Tyree Nichols. No, not 2021, excuse me, 2022. Yeah. He was killed by the Memphis Police Department. Yeah. Um, and Didn't these was, guys just get off with yeah. nothing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they, they just got off recently. Yeah. Um, and Tyree was just going home. He was yeah. just going home. And, um, and they beat him so badly that his mother couldn't recognize him. Same story like Emmett Till. Yeah. Right? Um, so we actually raised money for the Tyree Nickel Foundation for our Skate Against Hate event this year. And we were honored to have the Tyree Nickel family come out to this event. Wow. So we highlighted uh, his family. We highlighted the foundation. Yeah. And we actually had a, a raffle to give out a free shoe um, in honor of Tyree Nickel's life and um, his foundation. So we meet youth where they're at and we educate them we demonstrate by occupying space and hopefully you know by doing that um we can get other people who are not aware of these issues like Tyree nickel like the rise of hate crimes mm-hmm. we, we get these individuals educated to really act in regards to in regards to getting people to understand that they're in a in a system, because it's one thing that people don't even know what events that are happening. But then how how can you educate about the system? Where do we go to reach the masses if we can't go in person, meet them where they're at? Okay. I think one of the things that we do is give people the opportunity to be human. Right. I think sometimes I think especially what we've seen in 2020, a lot of people within the black community was like, you know what, if you don't know by now, like, shut up. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to have my I'm not going to waste time. Yeah. And and then you and I had that conversation, you know, before I think you have to have some compassion. I can vouch for other people within my community not wanting to educate everybody. I get that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but at the same time, if we want to see the liberation mm-hmm. that is needed, um, we need to be able to give some grace and see people as human. Thereafter, having mass speaking platforms. One of them is Clubhouse. Um, mm. I think in t- 2020, we used Clubhouse. 
Amazing. Had a huge medium okay. to educate people on issues that are surrounding not only our community, but that's going to affect all communities. Yeah. Uh, and then once you use these huge platforms like Clubhouse mm-hmm. to really have a mass reach, not just only in your state, but nationwide, worldwide, right? Um, especially in 2021, um, um, during the, the, the 75th Nakba, mm-hmm. Nakba is a term that a lot of people within the Palestinian community use. And, and Nakba is the return of uh, a lot of Palestinians to the land. It's the anniversary of return to the land that is rightfully theirs. During that time in 2021, we used Clubhouse to reach individuals that were in Gaza, in Ramallah, to be able to speak to individuals in America, to educate them on um, the significance of what we can do as Americans to raise awareness yeah. of what's going on. And I, I mean, I hope me and my small group over here, all of my listeners and people that follow me or support me who listen, you know, before about the insurance, yeah. the idea is that you guys were trusting my me before. And now I'm using my platform that, yes, like listeners, followers, you guys have given me and I'm yeah. so grateful for it. Right. But if I don't use it for good, what good is it? Right. Mm-hmm. You guys don't want me to do anything good for the community at the same time. You just want me to keep doing that. Like <laughs> so my my thought process is, is like, who where who are these people that don't want to see people that they look up to or respect step out of their comfort zone to say, hey, these people need me. So I'm going to step yes. up. Right. Exactly. Um, and we're all seeing it with celebrities and influencers who are being mm-hmm. quiet. We're all seeing it. And so I might just yeah have an insurance company and a um, a po- podcast I'm getting started, but that's what we can do, right? That's what I can do exactly. is use my platform to do this. You, I haven't heard you say anything about like TikTok, and I'm wondering if TikTok is like not the place. <laughs> the troubling thing with TikTok is that how can we move that action into demonstration? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of content creators on TikTok do a good job of educating people. Mm-hmm. And I, that's great, you know. You know yeah, you educate people, and that's awesome. But it doesn't stop there. No, we have after you educate somebody, you have to mobilize people. And I get it. There's a lot of content creators who are not organizers. Yeah, there's a lot of content creators who are not mobilizers. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm gonna put yeah. that out there. Yeah, they are only content creators. Is that if you're a content creator? Just stay in that lane because we don't need you to be a mobilizer or we don't need you to be an organizer. But I think we should really reach out to those content creators who are really skilled at educating people and get them to also direct those people to our platforms so they can say, okay, if you want to get ready to activate and demonstrate, go to a platform like OC Justice Initiative, go to a platform like SoCal Uprising, go to a platform like these. 100%, they should be saying they need to pick a person, right? They need to pick a group. They need to say, all of my people, listen, I am just your educator. Please go follow Jewish Voice for Peace, right? Go follow, you know, OC um, just initiative, go follow SoCal Uprising, go follow Palestinian youth movement, right? And listen to them, <laughs> like make videos about where they should go after. Don't just educate and try to take over. I can do this. Exactly. This is something I could do. Um, and you shouldn't be following Casey to find out what's going on, right? Even though I'm <laughs> posting stuff like that. 
You know what I mean, though? Like there might be people out there like, oh, it's fine. I'm following that. That insurance girl posted some things and I know what she said. No, no, no. Listen, like you got to keep taking the steps. And and don't get me wrong. Like you were saying, there there are a lot of good content creators who may be non-BIPOC, who are really good in putting good information out there about misinformation, mm-hmm. about de-information, about propaganda, about yeah. propaganda. They're putting it out there. That's great. But, you know, if they're not directing people toward people who are OTG yeah. on the ground doing that work, then I'm sorry, all their education is is only for their own ego. Now, I, I wasn't thinking about this. I... More so was thinking, well, thank God that, you know, non-BIPOC individuals are speaking up and educating because we need them to say something so that other people like them will listen. Right. I mean, we do need this without it. The movement wouldn't keep going in this, you know, in the right direction. So it's important, but they need to also realize their position in the movement and keep mm-hmm. pushing people along and do the rest of their job almost. Like, yes, 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 exactly what you said. Realize their position. That takes a level of oh. going within it. <laughs> and yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If they don't go within, they're gonna go without. Mm. And you know, and as as a as a as a spiritual, highly spiritual being within this movement, I felt like I've done so much work internally that I can go within this movement without having attachments and ego along with the work I do. But I feel like so many other people who are now coming into this movement or who have been within the social justice realm, they have not done that work within. Yeah. So when it comes to accolades, when it comes to attaching themselves some, some, to some credibility, they get offended, they get ostracized, or they feel intimidated yeah. when um, their work is not appreciated. And then they forget who they are, right? Mm. They, they, start, they start equating themselves with the movement. And I don't equate myself with the movement. I'm justice. And then I have an organization called OC Justice Initiative. Yeah. But I'm not putting justice along with the movement. No, this is bigger than me. Yeah. I, if you if you look at my organization, you don't even see my face that much. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, it's I, true. Because I because I because it, it's 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 not about me. This is about the youth. Yeah. This is about the next generation. This is about uplifting BIPOC youth, and I want people to understand that. And I'm glad you've affirmed it right now because this is that lets me know that yeah. It is about the BIPOC youth. This is about more than myself. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who haven't done that work within, um, unfortunately, um, they don't know where they are in the movement. So then they, they equate themselves to the whole thing. And when you say that, you mean like people saying, um, you know, the the movement is my life. Like the life, my life is the movement um, I eat, sleep, breathe, social justice, and this kind of rhetoric is what you Yeah, mean. of course. Yeah. Or they say that it's a, it's a lot of I statements. Okay. You know, okay. Uh, it's a lot of I. The struggle with using I statements is that you put your ego into it without even thinking about it. Yeah. It's like, I did this. I did that. I handled this. I organized that. It oh, and it's not an I thing. Oh, it's not an I thing. When I traveled to China um, for a while, Casey, I, I stayed at a, a nice temple. 
and it was a Buddhist temple. I stayed there for about seven months. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a wallet. I didn't have a bank account. I didn't have a Zoom account. I didn't have a Google Gmail. I didn't have any of this that I have now. Sounds so nice. (laughs) (laughs) I could go for that right now. I didn't have health insurance. I didn't oh, have life insurance. I didn't wow. have none of this stuff, right? <laughs> see. Yeah. So I was I was low-key living a monk life, even though I was still a lay Buddhist. I was yeah. still living like a monk life. So but what I learned through this half a year when I was at this monastery is that language is everything. What you talk to your subconscious mind, everything. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking with this. Um, venerable or monk and when he was talking to me he never used the word I Mm. he would always use the word we he was talking about we we don't use this or we don't eat this or we don't go to sleep at this time when we wake up we meditate or when we and I asked him one day I said how come you always use we you never speak in your own point of view he said because it's not about me he said, it's about all of us as all sentient beings. It's about all of us. It's about all of us coming together. It's about all of us going forth. It's about all of us. And that really changed my life because um, I never really exercised my language. Yeah. Um, I would always exercise what I would eat, right? Um, always exercise what I watch um, or who I'm around. Mm-hmm. But using our own language, how we speak to ourselves can really change everything in your life and really change your subconscious mind and that goes to even what we're talking about now yeah um the movement and social Mm -hmm. justice a lot of people within the movement equate themselves with i my my organization yeah i made this organization right but this is for the youth yeah so it's for all of us right um and i think hopefully by what we are doing you see that at OCJ <laughs> and yep. what we are doing to gather folks, mm-hmm. we can also educate other folks on eventually how to use their mind to really galvanize, mobilize, and educate others. We actually hosted an event that was deemed to work on this aspect of going within, and it was called Yoga for Peace. Uh, we hosted it um, during September, and it was an amazing demonstration. We hosted it at Laguna Beach, and we um, brought out yoga instructors, mindfulness instructors, and we also brought out a vendor who sold Timos smoothies. Wow! Um, and, and so we this is our second year hosting this event. And we host these events in predominantly white areas, like Laguna Beach, like Newport Beach. And the reason why we host these events at these predominantly white areas is because a lot of BIPOC folk don't go within anyway, unfortunately. Like the the rate of Black men in America who go to a therapist is not even in double digits. I think it's at like 9% right now. The rate of Black youth who actually have a program in which they can use to work on their emotional maturity level Yeah, is not even at the rate where it should be. The rate of Black women actually having an opportunity to speak about postpartum 
syndrome is not at the rate it should be. So BIPOC folk are not only suffering on a physical level when it comes to murder and being um, ethnically cleansed in America, but we're also suffering mentally, right? And as a BIPOC organization, we understand that. How can we give BIPOC youth and BIPOC people opportunities to really go within? So we host Yoga for Peace. And we got the cops called on us three times. We had the cops come and, and shut down the event. Yeah, it's like twice. This is twice we hosted it. And each time we had the cops call on us. And this is the reason why we host we host yoga it. and CMOS movies. This is like the exactly. whitest white people shit ever. <laughs> You're kidding me. Yeah, it, it was something that we were expecting, but we didn't know that it was going to be that as soon as we went on the premise that we're going to call the police. So it was something you didn't that, even get a chance. No, no, we didn't even get a chance to really carry out the whole event. Um, but that only encourages us to go back again. I was going to say, like, I, I, I'm ready to come to the next one. <laughs> well, you said the last one was September, so I missed this one. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. because Justice, I'd love to I'd love to tell you I told you a bit about um, there was an event, an event I went to this last weekend um, here in San Diego where we were on native land, indigenous people's land, um, you know, which is out in La Jolla, in San Diego, on the beach. It's gorgeous, of course, you know, and it's it's their land, not our land. Um, But they were out there in support of Palestinians. And we we all just gathered on the grass. We were told, you know, bring blankets, bring chairs, bring food to share water. This one man was literally dressed up as an eagle. Right. I mean, there was some incredible wow. performers and things there. I think I sent this one to you, but yes, the idea of getting to show up 10 minutes, 15 minutes from your home at a gathering for the community, right, where you just get to meet people and talk and you know that you're sharing a similar mindset of caring about humanity. Yes. And I mean, we sat there all day, right? We sat there all day. We brought the dogs got to meet with people, saw friends from other protests. And I'm just yeah. thinking to myself, why are we not doing this already for nothing, for no reason? Mm-hmm. How much better would the world be if we got together and got to know each other, mixed so around, got to express our cultures, um, danced together, yes. ate together, sang together, um, you know, because of course there were speeches that were heartfelt and um, about what's going on in Palestine. But there was also a moment where the woman speaking said, if everyone could close your eyes, put your hand over your heart and touch wow. the grass, right? And do it all together. And just this collectiveness that we're all doing something to ground ourselves. We're not in therapy, right? We're not, right. we're not at like this teaching session. We're all trying to be closer to each other. And so yeah. if we could just implement this into our society, we could spread information so much faster. We could educate people so much faster. We could be on the same page as our neighbors. We could not be afraid of our neighbors, right? You could share, this is what I know. What do you know, right? I, I just could imagine a world after being at so many of these different events in the community. Like, what are we doing, are right? You- and I think a key to your the yoga event not being shut down, right? You need yeah. white people in yeah. in large numbers to show up to equate how many people of color there are too. We need to all mm-hmm. be together. 
It feels right. like an easy fix. Yeah, I, 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 to, to add on what you said, I think why so many um, why so many white or non-BIPOC folk feel as though they don't want to get involved with BIPOC issues is there's a level of individualism that America breeds um, that is the facet of white supremacy. Yes, um, and that's what we that's what we teach a lot of youth at our organization is that individualism that America has bootstrapped it our citizen with since birth is diabolically against unity yeah. because individualism breeds um, ethnocentric, ethnocentric ideas. Um, and um, why a lot of non-BIPOC folk feel as though, oh, well, I don't need to be. Well, why? You know, because America has always separated us. America mm-hmm. has always individualize the different struggles as just being, oh, this is a black issue, right? The civil rights movement, oh, it's a black issue. Immigration, they like to put that just on Mexicans. But there's a lot of people who immigrate here into America, right? It's not just Mexican people. All kinds. Like, no, but it's it's just their fault. It's just their problem. Of course. Right? Yeah, that's what you hear. You don't hear about any other immigrants. What about even those? Yeah. What, what about Ukrainians who immigrate here, right? What about you know, non-BIPOC folk who immigrate into America, they don't talk about them. No. Um, they like to put uh, these issues around gun violence on just Black folk. But what about every single mass shooting that has happened in America was committed by a little white boy? It, uh, yeah. So I, I'm dropping facts to your community to let them understand that these incidents are usually portrayed to the American Diaspora has issues that are singular. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why a lot of non-BIPOC folk, and specifically white folk, when they come to these, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, issue that affects the black community, Palestinian community, uh, Mexican community, they say, oh, well, I, I, I don't think I, I'm not comfortable or, oh, I don't think. I'm nervous. Maybe I should take my black friend with me before I go to March or something. Or they try to fetishize. Oh, oh, I have black friends, so I'm okay. Well, yeah. No, like you should educate yourself. Like we spoke about earlier. Once you educate yourself, you should demonstrate, go to an action, be there, um, actually show yourself. Don't be a, don't be afraid. Like actually be in these spaces, and then repetition. Keep it like. Keep doing it. Don't just check it off the list and say, oh, I went to a BLM march. I'm okay. Oh, I went to a Palestinian march. Oh, I'm okay. No, use your platform. If you have financial, financially back, do that. Like, keep it going because yeah. as a non-BIPOC folk, you have power more so than any type of Palestinian to use their voice. You have yeah. power more than any other Black folk to really get the status quo to listen to us. Do you feel like with the state of our society, I mean, the economy is trash, homelessness off the charts. Um, more people are living under the poverty line than we've seen in, in our, in our lifetime. Um, it feels like life is rough for Americans. I mean, I I've mentioned this before on my, on my page that, I mean, America is a third world country now. It is. Right. So in regards to the Palestinian movement, is there something to say 
for the idea that we are at a point in time where it's not just people of color or the LGBTQ community or women or Hispanic people who are suffering. Everyone is suffering. I walk outside and there's homeless people of every color. Mm-hmm. of every age, of every background. I have friends of every color who are struggling to pay rent. My white friends are not okay right now. You know, they're right. not making money to live. They can't afford anything, right? They're not saving any money. They're broke. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And with everything going on, you know, it, it, it has felt like a big awakening for people. Do you feel like we might be in a different place to actually come together over something considering the world is as, excuse my language, as shit as it is right now. Um, because that's, I'm feeling this way, but I, I, you have more insight than me. There's so much more that needs to be uh, put on the table for our community to come forth all together. Uh, for example, when it comes to houseless individuals or homeless individuals, because it needs to be more educational on that, right? Of course. Because I think a lot of individuals who want to give these houseless or homeless folks opportunities, they tend to paint it with a broad brush. And a lot of the houseless communities, they don't want handouts. That's yeah. that's, that's that's the one reason why they said, excuse my language, fuck the state. Yeah. That's the one reason why they said that. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the reason why they're houseless, because they, they don't want any handouts. They don't want to pay taxes. They don't want an address. They don't yeah. want none of that, right? Yeah. Um, so there needs to be a conglomerate of folks who come together that may be able to represent the houseless folks, mm-hmm. and then people who come together to represent the homeless folks, where they can go to a Congress. They can go to a city, L.A. County, San Diego County, you know, state government, Sacramento, and say, hey, this is a bill that can address houseless folks and homeless folks and that can cater to both of their needs so we can really help the issue that we're seeing on the streets right now, right? Yeah. That's That doesn't happen because you have so many individuals who don't have compassion, yeah. right? Don't have empathy. Yeah. And they say, oh, the houseless? Where are they doing that? No, we don't need that, right? Yeah, so yeah. They, they can never, so they can never get to the drawing board to really pacify some of the issues within our communities. But then, when it comes to seeing so many other people who may not be BIPOC suffer right now with inflation, I mean, it's uh, everything. There, we have yes. abortion being taken away. We have abortion. the LGBTQ plus community losing their rights being targeted in our society to be removed from society you have women dying or being threatened you know with jail time for having a natural miscarriage gosh to to solve everything is going to take so much time of course but i just wonder if the anger or the frustration is like it's never been before like that there is enough of it to allow for momentum in the right direction because so many are, people are affected in all kinds of different ways, whether they're unhoused, whether they're part of the LGBTQ community, whether they're 16 and pregnant, whether yes. they're, you know, living in Section 8 housing, all kinds of things. Like there's so many, every single group of people other than what the top 3%, the top 10%, exactly. everyone else yeah. is being fucked right now. And yeah. then you have what's happening in Palestine. And people going, wait a second, 
right? So is there enough anger in society right now or enough people facing their own struggles that maybe will have enough emotion behind the movement if the organ everything else comes together? Or have you felt like people were angry before and it didn't go anywhere? Yeah, people were angry before. Okay. And it didn't go anywhere. You know, that's why I have my doubts because. And it was it like George Floyd? Justice, I don't mean to interrupt you for George Floyd. Right. It was, it was. Nothing changed. 2020, also during Ferguson. I mean, Flint, Michigan hasn't had clean water for how many years now? And that's in America and no one does anything. Nobody does anything. Mississippi last year didn't have clean water. Um, Isn't there a chemical leak in Ohio? Exactly. In the air, no one's doing anything. Exactly. So, so like, what do what happens, right? I mean, we're pushing for a free Palestine, right? And we're push, pushing for equality. We're pushing for our tax dollars to be spent on Americans. Mm-hmm. What do we? What do you think that we have to do? I, me personally, I spoke to a comrade last year about this, and um, they were w- with a organization that they give workers and individuals who want to strike opportunity oh. financial backing. They give oh. them financial backing. Wow. As you and I know, if you want to strike and you don't want to go to work, you're going to need some financial backing. To yeah. do it. It is, <laughs> no, this organization does that. They give them financial backing. Um, and they, and then they give them tools to continue that momentum. Okay. But the issue is there are not a lot of organizations like that mm. who who want to continue to give these people financial things. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. There's only a few within the nation yeah. that will be able to do that. Because 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, Casey. Yeah. Like people are just going to have to get angry and, yeah. and poorer and yeah. to actually do something. There is going to have to be a, I don't want to scare people, but there's going to have to be sort of what we see on January 6th at the Capitol, but there's going to have to be that times 20, not just a, not just a bunch of old, old white folks that are angry at January 6th, but it's going to have to be young folks. It's going to have to be BIPOC folks. It's going to have to be white folks. It's going to have to be that times 20 without the guns which what yeah and all of this you know exactly. it's not we're no tactical military we're okay we're just the people we're okay yeah just the people and, <laughs> and and until we see that unfortunately i don't think a lot of people are going to wake up to what we're going to be witness to within the next four years the next four years when so since you said that i did hear that Colorado is now the first state to say that they will not accept Donald Trump on the ballot for 2024. But are you concerned about the presidency, like the election next year? And Mm -hmm. what what does OC Justice Initiative plan to do in regards to presidential election? Are you lifting up somebody other than somebody from the two party system? Yeah, you know, um, it's a great question, you know. I got my degree in political science. Perfect. Right. (laughs) And then I got my master's in international relations. So when it comes to like speaking about politics, it's like I'm a big time nerd. Oh, okay. Speak about this all the time. And Donald Trump is, I don't even know why I call him by his name. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Orange man. Orange man is accurate. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
Orange Man is no, he's projected to be the Republican front runner for 2024, and um, I do think he may win. Now, say that. Yeah, I, I do think he may win. Uh, yeah, I do think he may win. And I, the reason why I say that is because a lot of people are not going to vote, unfortunately, in this election. And I'm just saying that because I'm on the ground a lot. I, I'm hearing a lot of people I, I organize with. I'm hearing a lot of youth that I'm in touch with, whether it be our interns or people we have on campus. And it's seeming like the millennial generation and the Gen X generation are leaning to not voting. And Sadly, our generation and a lot of BIPOC folk were the majority of what made Joe Biden win this last election. So that's why I'm coming to terms with Orange Man winning, because if a lot of young folk and a lot of BIPOC folks sit out, like I'm hearing, unfortunately, he's going to win. Um, so and I think that is the fall of the Democratic Party. <laughs> oh, they 100%. have not been doing a great job. Right. So I'm not, you know, the, the only people I'm going to blame is the Democrats. If yeah. um, Trump wins, because oh, yeah. they haven't been doing a good job uh, for any of these issues that you and I have been speaking about. When, when it comes to Palestine, they gave yeah. another eight billion dollars to the IOF mm -hmm. and in the state of Israel. They have also not did, did a good job with what's going on on our southern border. No. Um, they actually built a they they're actually building a bigger wall than Trump wanted. <laughs> and, uh, Biden just approved of another, uh, I think, almost sixty six hundred million at the southern border in Texas to to. Well, and that's build. not even we haven't even talked about Cop City. Exactly. Yeah. I was. Thank you. That's why you and I think that's another subject that I was going to go on. That. Uh, well, because if Trump I, wins, Justice, I don't mean to interrupt you, but if Trump wins, yes. it's. The idea is this Project 2025 will turn America into a Christian, national, militarized state. Yes. And one of the first things that's, exactly. that's going to happen that Trump put into place in 2020 is that 50,000 federal employees removed and replaced wow. by MAGA loyalists mm -hmm. so that they can infiltrate the system from within to do whatever they want. It's something that he's done before, though, and that's yeah, and that's and, that's and now he's not even trying to hide it, though. It's just like here, guys, this is <laughs> these are all my evil plans. You want to read it? <laughs> and everyone yeah. just like, sure, yeah, okay. We know that it's going to take more so, not just mobilization, but it's going to take organization to really get the youth to turn out to vote this yeah. coming election cycle. And um, and we're doing that now, right now, actually. To answer your question, okay. we're hosting Know Your Rights camps on campus. Um, it's just this past year, we actually worked with the Know Your Rights camp. Uh, they're Colin Kaepernick's organization. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And uh, where we're going into high schools and we're teaching them about their rights. Um, and we're also talking to students who are about to graduate and to go to college. Amazing. who are going to be turning 18 yeah. about the power of their rights and one of their the most powerful right that they have in the turn 18 is voting yeah, and why they should vote and what is on the, what is on the line if they don't vote yeah. and what can happen um, with the power of their vote and how to vote, not only for the presidential election, but locally yeah. and how your local officials are going to be doing things that affect you 
even more so mm-hmm. for the national election. I would be one of those people who had said something about, well, I'm not going to vote, right? Because I don't yeah. want to vote for Biden. Right. And I'm no way in hell just going to vote for Trump. If Biden and Trump are our choices, right? should we still be voting for Biden? What I feel like I've heard is from a lot of, I I follow and support a lot of black women who talk about politics and I make sure that I'm listening to what they are saying, right? Asian women too. And they are saying they're not going to vote for Biden and they're not going to vote for Trump, right? Because, hey, guess what? Democrats, white people, we listened to you last time that things were going to change and they didn't, right? Mm -hmm. So I hear you saying, the fuck are we going to do? Like Trump's going to be president. But then I hear other people of color saying, I'm not going to vote. So what? Within the last four years, my political ideology has changed. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I don't call myself a Democrat, I don't call myself a libertarian, I don't call myself a moderate. Yeah. I call myself a human rights advocate. That's what I call myself. I'm I'm just for human rights. I truly feel as though we need a new party. Yeah. The parties that we have right now do not speak to our interests. No. Will never. I'm going to say that. Will never speak to our interests. No. Unfortunately, no matter what skin color they are. No. Nope. We as the people have to come together and demand that mm. there be a constitutional convention to ratify the constitution. So there is less power on the Democrats and the Republicans. Yeah. And there could be more of a third party option within the constitution. So that when individuals want to run for office, they're able to be on the ballot. It's not just like, oh, they have money in the Democrats. Oh, we have a Republican convention. And then there you go. They have the nomination. No, there needs to be delegates for other people who want to run and they don't adhere to both parties. Yeah. What about that? And I know Dr. Conor West is running, but even as an independent, I don't think he'll get the nomination, unfortunately, because you have Democrats and Republicans. It's um, so hard to break. It's, it's so hard to break. And it's also when you vote for these individuals who may not be on the side of um, the huge conglomerates. I know a lot of people feel as though, well, how is my vote going to be counted anyway? Because you're yeah. not going to win the nomination. Yeah. So many things. If you don't want to vote, then I urge any individual to, you know, build a coalition of folks within your community who's frustrated about what we see right now and get with local officials who know how to research the constitution within their state. And then each state has to hold a conference to be able to prove that go to the federal government to have a constitutional convention and to have an amendment. And we can do that. Each state can do that. Then we can start to change our political landscape. Yeah. And that could be really big for the next generation. I'm imagining, you know, in California alone. Yeah. Right. Every year we send six hundred and thirty thousand dollars to Israel from our taxes, just California. And that could change based on who has power in our state. And we have the power to decide who is sitting in those seats. Right. That is why this is important, because that's over half a million dollars that could be sent to fix the road, to provide yes. child care, to help 
unhoused people to to do something. $600,000 is a lot of money every single year. That is our money. That is not helping our people. This is why this is important no matter who you are, right? Yeah. And it's it's the same in every state. And right. our representatives are not going to change unless we start paying attention. What do you, I wanted to ask you some things. We'll, yes. we'll, we could talk forever. Um, <laughs> is there something that OC Justice Initiative has accomplished that is something that you're the most proud of? I am most proud to still be here and be confident yeah. and and to speak my word and and know that at the end of the day, I'm doing this for the next generation and for others like myself who couldn't do it. You know, it's incredible. What you're doing is incredible. Um, it I'm honored to know you to get to hopefully continue to build a relationship in so many other ways. Um, this is just the start. I'm wearing a kafia uh, this whole episode. And I, I just want to tell you a really nice story because, you know, the, the kafia for the Palestinians, there is a chance that someone will call you something like a terrorist because you're wearing a kafia, right? Mm-hmm. And I have not been in the mood to go out to eat, do anything. But this last weekend, okay, if I'm going to go out and get some food, I'm going to wear the kaffee. I'm going to go out downtown. I'm going to I'm going to have it on. Right. So the least that I could do is just like if I'm not screaming free Palestine, I'll I'll wear it on my body. Right. right. And no, no one said anything to me. No, no, nothing good. Nothing bad until I'm walking home and I'm a block away from my apartment. I have it on. Right. And I notice to the left, there's a car parked, like stopped in the street. And it's a busy downtown road. And I look over and the guy, I kid you not, is hanging out the window like this with peace signs. And I, I see him and I do peace signs and I say, free Palestine. And he goes, free Palestine. And <laughs> so then I say it back and he says it. Um, I got the chills just talking about it because I couldn't believe that he saw the kafia somewhere downtown. He literally stopped his car in the street to stare at me and didn't honk his horn. You know, he wasn't trying to get my attention. He was just like, why are you wearing that? And if you're wearing it, why I think you're wearing it, please say hi to me, please. Like just that human connection of like, I see you. I see you and I'm going to wear something to tell you that if I can't shout and scream and protest, I see you. And it was a a big deal to me. It made me want to not leave the house without it. Right. Um, Just to make one person feel like there's somebody else who cares, right? I mean, and if we ha- yeah. we have to start on this individual level, all of us, we have to start on this basic individual person to person oh, level. True. There's some hope. Wow, I'm 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 really glad you share that story because um, I have a friend and she's white, and I was talking to her. I actually gave her a kofia, and all the kofia that I have ever had in my life were given to me. Oh, and that's honor, right? Yeah. Honor. They were given yeah. to me by a Palestinian, so it's honor, right? So mm-hmm. I keep them dear to me. But for this individual, I felt like they never felt the significance of the need to be speaking about an issue, and they wanted to speak about an issue, and they wanted to advocate for it. Yeah. So I told them, like, you're doing so beautifully. I was like, if you don't say it, or you're not talking about it, at least wear something to show that you want to advocate for this. And I gave them 
this kofia and they asked me, well, I'm white. Why should I wear it? And I said, you should wear it because you're human. Yeah. And, and once you wear it, you are going to signify that everybody who is going through a genocide in Gaza within the West Bank and other occupied territories are human. And for any human that sees you wear that, you are going to humanize them. And I kid you not, Casey, the next day she calls me in tears and she's like, Justice, I had six people come up to me and cry and hug me. And they were all Palestinian. And as a white person, it changed my life because I've never had a community come up to me, embrace me. She's at first, I thought they were going to beat me up for wearing it because I was a white girl, but they actually embraced me. They, 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 they offered me dinner. They wanted to take me to their house and because I humanized them. Yeah. And that's all that we're asking for is for people to humanize us. We're not just numbers. We're not just statistics. We're actually humans. So I'm really glad you brought that up. And for anybody listening, there are things that you can do that even if, you know, you're not shouting and screaming, you know, the world will know your intentions. Right. Um, And if that's how you start, let it start slow. Anything that you do to bring awareness to the movement matters. Anything. Justice, is there anything that you want to add? Last message to everyone here. Just educate yourself. Follow individuals who are on the ground on the front lines who are witnessing atrocities happen share it don't just like it don't just post a black square black squares led to nowhere and we're in the same situation we're in yeah so share it speak to your family members educate your family members before you educate others and then go outside don't just stay in your home go outside educate demonstrate and then legislate and then i hopefully that can uh, have progress amazing Justice, I'm going to link everything um, that I have of yours, everything so that people can find OC Justice Initiative on social media. Get out into your city, find a protest, go and demonstrate. Even if you go alone. I went to my first protest alone, you guys. You have to start somewhere. If you want to chat with me about my experience, if you're feeling nervous, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. If you live in California, and you want to get connected um, with us down here in Southern California to go to protests, to meet up, please reach out to me. I would love to hear from anyone here in California who wants to be part of the movement and doesn't know who to talk to about it. I would be honored to hear from you in regards to this. And I guess we will end it there. My friend, Justice, it again has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait to continue our relationship. And this will not be the last time you and I do some collaborating um, in regards to Please. trying to stand up for humanity, my friend. This has been the You're an Asset podcast. This was a very special episode with the founder of OC Justice Initiative. And I thank you all for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye. The You're an Asset podcast is not giving financial advice. 
We are not licensed financial advisors, and our licensing is strictly in insurance products. The information that we talk about is specific to the products that we work with. We cannot guarantee that other agents will have the same product features that we discuss on the show.